Hey, Jimmy, thank you so much for being on the show. Hey, Deepak, how are you today? Good. Let me ask you a set of rapid five questions. Yeah, fire away, man. What do you think is the biggest challenge in your job? Oh, man. Um, management of uh, conflicting information. Um, uh, condensed timeframes. You know, you have to make... Uh, you got to make a lot of decisions or uh, in a short amount of time and try to discern a lot of information from a lot of different uh, uh, people or places uh, to be as informed as you can uh, to do right by your client uh, as best you can. Um, certainly uh, in, in our world, uh, things can change by the minute. And uh, by the time you've got one piece of information and walked across the hall, uh, something may have changed uh, at that point. So um, building trust with people, building relationships. I mean, those are those are fun things to do, but um, it's a lot of people to to get to know and, and, and place place your faith in and, and, and then do likewise with you and just develop that kind of credibility. That's sort of an over the time challenge. But those are the fun parts to do is just, you know, building relationships and friendships with folks, uh, but, but having to, to get down, um, at the, uh, you know, uh, the end of a session or something like that. And, and you're, uh, a lot of people have a lot of different ideas about maybe the way your piece of legislation should go. Um, and just trying to respond to all that. If you had to define lobbying in one sentence, how would you define that? Oh, lobbying, I've told this to many people over the years. It's uh, we're the unsung heroes of public policymaking. Um, and I know it's it's funny because there's such a negative connotation associated with the lobbying industry. But, um, you know, these guys that are that are voting on bills, uh, they're farmers. So they know agriculture. Um, they're uh businessmen, they might know insurance, or they might be a doctor, they know medicine. Uh, they don't necessarily know, and I, I represent the manufactured housing industry, I don't count on them to know manufactured housing. But um, over time, I, I try to develop credibility for myself. So that when I try to educate them on something regarding manufactured housing, that to them, I'm a credible source, and that I can be trusted. Um, uh so that they can make a good decision when it's time to to vote on something. So does um, credibility, does that take time? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, um, it's uh, when you're working on a bill or piece of legislation um, and you're really kind of in the center of it, there's going to be a lot of questions. Um, you know, I always try to tell my members how hard it really is to pass a bill. You know, you got to find someone to sponsor it. It's got to get introduced. Uh, you got to get language written. It's got to get to a subcommittee. It's got to get out of the full committee. It's got to get out of the rules committee. It's got to get out of the House or the Senate chamber. And then it goes across and you got to do the whole thing over again. And at the end of that, you got to get the governor to sign it. Um and really anywhere in that process, 
all it takes is one person to kind of lob in a grenade and, and trip you up. And you may have something that a lot of people agree on. And, and this is by design. Somebody, when you're dealing with 256, you know, 180, 180 senators, excuse me, 236 and, and 56 senators, somebody along the way is probably going to have an idea about something that nobody else thought of. And, um, and, and being nimble on your feet and having your ability to source information quickly, uh, having expert access to experts uh, that can respond quickly because uh, those questions come up and, and sort of as that comes up and people see, Hey, he, he goes and tracks this down or she can respond to this well, or she knows how to handle that. Um, you know, and there's no shame I found. And if you don't know the answer telling someone, Hey, I don't know, but we're going to, I think they'd rather hear you say that and be upfront about it. And you tell them I'll be right back and then come back with the answer or with the information that's being sought. All those things I think are uh, a big way to, at least in, in that kind of rapid fire environment uh, is a, is a big way to, to develop some credibility for yourself. And I know like Georgia, the legislative days are maybe 30 to 40 days. Is that right? Yeah, so we have a 40-day legislative session, and they're not, you know, in order. It's just 40 days that they've designated to do official business. Now, they may have other days uh, where they have committee meetings or whatnot, but if they don't go into the chambers and uh, and bang the gavel, it's not officially a day. So, I mean, for us in Georgia, we start the second week of January, and we're generally done by the end of March. Okay. So it's, it's about a three-month. Okay. Three months slog through the winter. Oh, I see. And um, having such a short time is that a is that an advantage or a disadvantage? I think it's an advantage personally. I mean, I think you know everybody knows that there's a short amount of time to get a lot of work done, and when you come forward with sensible policy. And something that makes sense and you have the ability to sell it, um, that yeah, the, the condensed time frame, I think it it puts it puts pressure on folks to get things done. Um, you know, I've done stuff at the local, state, and federal level, and you know, doing things at the federal level, it's like trying to move a mountain and it just never ends and it takes so long. But um, I found at the state level that uh when you're when you're when you have some credibility and you have policy that people feel like is pretty fair and sensible, um, they generally want to help you. And um, and and a lot of that is just uh, with that condensed time frame, it keeps everybody on the ball, in my opinion, at least. What is the best advice you have ever received? I don't know if I say it's the maybe the best advice I'd like to give sure. is just, um, or that I've come to to realize myself is, is that piece we talked about with credibility and trustworthiness um, where if uh, you know, I think, I think one time when I felt like when I was earlier on in my career uh, when I felt like maybe I'd kind of arrived was some people were talking to a state rep about some sort of policy and the next thing I know, I get a phone call seeking my my opinion on it because it was something that was going to also affect an industry I was working in. 
And that was the first time that ever happened to me. And I was just kind of like, oh, wow, I'm, I feel like I'm I'm in the game. I'm a trusted partner. You know, my my advice is being sought because, you know, those guys that are those reps and senators, I mean, they've got to they want to try to make as an informed decision as I can. And so when they when they say, hey, you know, I can I can call Jimmy. Um, he's going to shoot me straight and I feel good about what he might tell me. Uh, that helps me make an informed decision. And so just developing that, you know, being credible, being trustworthy, not cutting corners, um, you know, to me, that's kind of the key to success in in, in that arena. And not getting – you got to be even keel because, you know, one day you, you're like, whoa, I'm, I'm down. Next day you're up, and, and it can get tumultuous like that. And um, – but trying to just maintain an even keel through it all is, is, and being patient. Um, those are just some things that I feel like I've learned that have helped me over the years. What is the one thing you'd like to share with the listeners, which very few people know about you? Um, I don't know. Um, I, you know, I have four kids that caught you off guard. Um, <laughs> But uh, I don't know. I just, you know, I enjoy what I do. Um, I think you have to enjoy this to want to be in the middle of it. Sometimes you can feel like a glutton for punishment. I think by the end of March every year, I'm like, why do I do this? <laughs> um, but then by the middle of May, I'm back to, you know, thinking, all right, how can how can I keep this ball rolling? Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I, you know, I, I get a lot of uh joy and pride out of what i do uh i think um there's a misnomer you know that uh a lot of people in the industries i've represented over the years feel like uh, they want government as far away from them as they can and i feel like kind of what i've helped them do is understand that hey the, they're actually there to work for you and you can work through them and with them um when you show yourself to be a good partner and uh i've gotten a lot of satisfaction out of kind of uh leading the organizations I've had kind of in that direction and, and seen some success. What is your favorite hobby? Uh I love to play golf. Um I have zero time for it. Um I can't even remember the last time I played. Uh but that's by far my my favorite thing to do. I do like to go uh I like to go fishing with my boys uh as a fun activity and uh I enjoy cutting my grass. I got a big yard and Nice. I like I like to get on the zero turn and and uh, make an afternoon of it. <laughs> That's pretty cool. And uh, the last question I've had is, um, so if you had uh, the time capsule to to go back in time to any era, which time would you pick? To any era. Um. You know, I'm a child of the 80s. Um, now, are you talking about sort of working in that era or just? Just just hanging out. Any era you could pick, you know, it doesn't have to be from your lifetime. Yeah, I, you know, I'm personally, I'm uh, fascinated with Cold War history and, um just sort of the reading about the tension that existed globally around the idea of uh, the the Cold War. And I, I love to read about it. Um, 
And uh, I've, I've always wondered what it'd be like to sort of live more in that area or be more aware of age during that period and being involved in something that is, is um, uh, specific to, you know, Cold War geopolitics. Nice. Cool. With that, let's jump a little bit into your past. Um, tell us a little bit about where did you grow up? How was your schooling like? Sure. Um, I'm, a, I'm, I'm from Georgia. I'm from Columbus, Georgia originally. And I went to school at Auburn University um, in Auburn, Alabama. Uh, after school, I ended up working for a member of Congress in a suburban Atlanta, Georgia district office. Uh, my member ran for the United States Senate and lost, so we all had to find new jobs after his term ended. And um, I really, this was sort of a, a pivotal point in my career. I almost went to Washington. It is That's always sort of been an itch that I never scratched, but um, I had an opportunity to go intern at the state level. And that's when I was, um, I just saw like how, much faster things worked. And I, I felt, um, you know, my observation was, wow, just, you know, one or two people can really get something done. And, and, um, that kind of being able to sort of, uh, affect change like that, uh, really appealed to me. And so, um, you know, I did sort of all the, the, the grunt things we did, you know, back then to build relationships, you know, worked on campaigns and delivered signs around the state and knocked on doors and, um, you know, just spent time at the state capitol, sort of just following around the right people. And, you know, from there you build relationships and opportunities grow. And, um, and I ended up with the trade association that was in construction materials and, I did that for about 15 years and uh recently now I'm um I'm uh in manufactured housing represent the Georgia Manufactured Housing Association and so I my career's come has come full circle my very first job when I was 16 years old I was on the maintenance crew of a very old and very um uh rough uh mobile home community and uh now here I am years later, I'm leading their organization and I'm their lobbyist. So uh, just kind of a very, uh, very odd, uh, fortuitous turn of events through life. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, I've, I've always kind of been involved with a lot of uh, folks that are in blue collar industries and I just get along well with the people and um, enjoyed working with all the people I have uh, both in construction materials and with manufactured housing and, you know, uh, and it's something that um, is badly needed um, everywhere where you are in North Carolina, where we are in Georgia. I mean, people are flocking south. Uh, businesses are flocking south and they've got to have places to live, um, places to go to work. Uh, so all that kind of begets, um, uh, you know, uh, an influx of uh, people coming into your state. And there's it just naturally creates demand for materials and housing and and all that kind of stuff so the things that i've been involved with have sort of benefited uh from that kind of uh good economic development policy so just for my knowledge um can you tell us like what is the georgia manufactured housing association for what does it do sure 100 um so uh, most people so a manufactured home most people would probably uh the 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 term that you'd be familiar with would be a mobile home 
so a manufactured home is is actually a home that's built offsite. Um, it's built according to a nationalized building code. The HUD code uh, is uh, is produced by the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. So they have a national code that regulates how these homes are built, and then there's factories all over the country that that build homes according to these codes. And and since it's a nationalized code, we can ship our products across state lines where maybe the uh, the house I live in was was built according to the international residential code, or if you live in a condo or townhome, and it might be uh, to the international building code or something like that, we build ours to the HUD code. And, and, and the goal of the HUD code is to make a quality home, but done in a way that's going to be um, much less per square foot for the consumer. So there's not many builders out there, at least not in Georgia, that want to build anyone a sub $200,000 home. But there's just, there's a lot of Georgians or a lot of Americans that need that type of housing. And so that's a, that's a void for us to come in and fill that gap. Our biggest challenges uh, have a lot to do with uh, local zoning. Um, you know, we have a perception issue. Undoubtedly, a lot of people probably have some old abandoned home in their community somewhere that's an eyesore or a, or maybe a mobile home park that's not very well kept, uh, things of that nature. And it gives it leaves a bad taste in people's mouth. Um, the industry has come so, so far since the days of the of the 60s and 70s, uh, sort of metal on metal uh, shed you know, home. Uh, now they're incredibly energy efficient. Uh, they're durable. Uh, they're, they're, uh, tied down in a manner that helps make them storm resilient. Uh, and they, they last a long time and they're just a tremendous value, uh, for, uh, for people that either can't spend a lot of money on a home or don't want to spend a lot of money on the home. Um, and so, uh, I've enjoyed representing them. Um, and certainly we're seeing uh, a turning of the worm, so to speak, um, in the perception of our product. Uh, the demand is there. Uh, Georgia, we just have so many projects going on. They just can't possibly um, build enough houses fast enough to house um, workforces in some of these parts of the state that need it. So uh, it'll be some great opportunity for our members. So we represent manufacturers, the people that build them. Uh, we represent retailers, the people that sell them. Uh, we represent installers, the people who set them up. Uh, we represent community owners, people that um, uh, provide uh, housing, um, uh, service providers and, and whatnot into the industry as well. So if, if, if you're, if you have an involvement in manufactured housing, you're you can be a member of GMHA and um, we represent all those interests um, just to try to keep the industry uh, uh, healthy and prosperous. Oh, I see. And, and just to go a little bit back, um, when you were in high school or before that, were you always interested in politics and public policy? Yeah, I, um, I didn't know I was interested in public policy, but I remember in third grade, we had this year long project where we profiled a president every week. And it was, to me, was, it captured my attention. 
and I didn't know it then, but it's, that was sort of the gateway drug for me into, into politics. And I started doing things like paying attention to elections, uh, running for student council myself. And, um, uh, and to me, it was just, uh, I was just fascinated by it. And I couldn't, I couldn't put my finger exactly on what, but it was just, um, um, it was just interesting, you know, to me to see all that. And now uh, on the backside, using that interest and knowledge to affect change, you know, uh, a, a lot of people I've worked for over the years, I've always said, well, this is the way it's always been. And I just say, well, I don't really accept that. You know, it's, uh, you know, laws can be changed, rules can be changed, but um, there's a way to go about doing it. So um to me that's that's fun you know to, to to see those changes come to fruition and and what was your degree in when you joined auburn university uh it was communications and political science oh, okay that kind of not makes sense so yeah <laughs> so after you graduated you said your first job was in what was that you said you were... I worked I worked in the office of a U.S. congressman okay. in his district office so we did um we did constituent services. We did field work. So if somebody had an issue with, say, getting their social security, you know, through casework, we could help them. Or if there was a ribbon cutting the congressman was invited to, we might go in his place or we'd hold district hours. And it just kind of gave me a, a sense of, um, you know, how it works and, 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 um, what people are looking for, uh, and, um, you know, again, just, it was all very intriguing to me. Uh, and I was just sort of scratching the surface and, you know, my career is kind of taking me further into the inside. And by that, like I was telling you, when, when, when you're part of conversations on how to, at the outset on how to make new policy, um, that's a very gratifying place to be, in my opinion, that, you know, your opinion might be sought or, um, or, or someone might think that, that you might be wise enough to offer something to that conversation. So I've seen your profile. It sounds like you, you started off in campaign and then you started working. Mm -hmm. um, how did you actually jump into government affairs? At what point was that? It was um, 2000 and January of 2005. I, um, I made a decision to, to work at the state level. And um, I, had no, I had known somebody that had a, uh, had a daughter who was a lobbyist and, and she needed, um, uh, she was looking for an intern to help. And I just kind of got in and, you know, my first year, I just really observed a whole lot. I didn't do a whole lot, but um, I was permitted to be participate in conversations and meetings and whatnot. That just taught me a lot about how to conduct myself and 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 whatnot. And so, uh, so that was two thousand six, and I, I haven't looked back. I've just enjoyed it thoroughly ever since. And, or excuse me, two thousand five. That was two thousand five. Sure. And um, do you still get energized by policy and politics? Oh yeah, absolutely. I um, 
you know, just this week. So we had we had a we had a really big legislative victory uh, this session for manufactured housing, um, and the governor signed it into law on Monday of this week. So now it's the law of the state. And right before we were on, you know, I I got a a, a text message from one of my members saying, "Hey, I had a customer um, where where this happened to him. Is this bill will this will this bill help them?" And it's like, yes, that's exactly why we passed that bill, you know. And so it's it's uh, here we are, not even a week into it, and to see that uh, someone's going to benefit off of that is, is to me, it's it's very it's exhilarating. Um, it's uh, and like I said, my you know my members see me as a resource. Um, it's stuff that they don't want to do, and I like to do. So it's it's a good match, you know, <laughs> and. Um, uh, but yeah, so to to be there when the governor signs it, you know, he he hands you the uh, the pen, get a little trophy out of it, um, all those things. It's just kind of a fun cherry on top of all your hard work, and um, you know, you're disappointed by the ones you don't get to, um, but uh, you're it's it's like I said, it's 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 tough doing these things, and uh, getting one across the finish line is very satisfying for sure. So if you had to um, suggest someone who is listening to this as to how they should get into government relations, what would your advice be? Oh, man, um, it's uh, really the way myself and most of my colleagues did it. When we were younger, we all helped out with campaigns. Um, when you're on a campaign and... There's a lot of moving parts and, you know, the the various candidates seeing you hustle and not, not even necessarily the one you're working for, but it could be his competition or her competition, or it could be, um, you know, people in other races. But, you know, you're kind of all out there in the trenches together. They see you hustling. Um, they see that you're somebody that can be counted on. Uh, you, you earn a level of trust with, uh, you know, the candidates and you know, uh, hopefully you get lucky and you've staked your wagon to the right one. Um, but really, honestly, that's the way a lot of us did it. We just did it grunt work for no money or very little money just to start getting to know people and build relationships and, and whatnot. To me, that's the, that's the easiest and, and lowest hanging fruit in terms of getting involved and starting to open doors for yourself. And that we jump into the last segment where, um, I stop asking you questions, more or less, it's an open platform where you get the opportunity to speak anything about yourself, your your future, or your association, anything goes. Okay. Um, well, I'll just say that, uh, you know, I've been, I've been the director now of the Georgia Manufactured Housing Association for a little over a year. Um, and it was kind of one of those organizations where they had a very, they've got a very good, uh, committed core of members. Um, but had, it had been some time really since they had had heavy involvement in the policymaking side of the house. And, um, so I feel like coming over here when I did it, uh, there was a lot of little issues to kind of clean up for them along the way. And so it's, uh, it's been fun to kind of pick that up and, um, and start uh, making some progress with that. Um, the product we make is fantastic. It's uh, 
it's very cool. I could blindfold you and take you in some homes and, uh, and take it off and you'd have no idea. You know, it's uh, they just make great stuff in the end, but they also make very basic stuff. If, if all you can afford or all you need is a, is a, an inexpensive roof over your head that's built to a quality standard, we can provide that. If you want something with all the bells and whistles, we can provide that too. But um, it's uh, being where we are here in Georgia, we're just blessed um, with a good economy uh, in the state. Uh, lots of activity in lots of different parts of the state. So there's a lot of places for people of numerous industries to benefit from. And um, and I'm just, uh, I'm pleased to be involved in a space that helps solve an issue of affordable housing, which is a big issue for, for real, frankly, everybody. Um, and, and I was taught from a young age, my dad was a home flipper, and he used to buy very inexpensive homes uh, in areas that were maybe less than desirable. But he taught me that, uh, you know, with some fresh paint and new fixtures and clean carpets and, you know, things like that, people, somebody will buy that home and be appreciative of it and they'll be proud of it. And, uh, and I think everybody deserves a chance to have a dignified place to live and uh, be proud of their place to live. And, um, and I think we can accomplish that with manufactured housing for sure. Jimmy, I just wanted to conclude this by saying thank you so much for what you do. Um, I'm, I'm so glad that, you know, Georgians have you as someone who's actually fighting for affordable housing. Thanks again for being on the show. Appreciate it, man. Thank you.